Hi. I didn't think of anywhere to put my coffee, so now I have to reach back here like a moron every time I need to put it down. Don't have that budget for those side tables to drop it right there, so now I need to do that. So today I released a welcome to filming until morning. My name is Matt Williams. Um, today I released the second video um, in the series for the Mike Jones Knife and Tool videos. Uh, it was the Chef Knife, and the Chef Knife was really cool because uh, that was a video that I've been working on for another six months, but I've had it done for such a long time. The Bow Hunter was the last video uh, to get done. That was the first one I released. Um, that was the last one to get done um, because we were waiting on music and there was a lot of different issues that were coming up with that. Music is, man, there, I, I found this site and then I lost it that was incredible for music. It's you're able to actually structure uh, your own song like you're able to take a song, a basic free loops layout that they have, uh, and then you're able to kind of change the tempo of it and everything as it goes uh, for increase in three different levels. And I'll figure out what it is or somebody will tell me what it is, but uh, man, that just seemed like the best, best way to go about it. And I just realized that I still have my AirPods in, which is silly. Um, yeah, moving on from that. So this is the first episode that I'm doing also on YouTube um, that is a solo episode. So I don't know how this is going to go. I don't, I feel better talking to camera than I do just talking to microphone, I guess. Um, so we'll see, but let's get awkward. Yeah. All right. Um, so chef knife is out. The chef knife was, um, it was a different video to do because, um, we didn't know if it was actually going to be able to work out. I went up there and I was like, Hey dude, let's do one knife. That's what, how long, how many days is it going to take? He's like three days. I'm like, cool, let's go up one knife and I'll film that. And then I'll go on to the next documentary that I'm going to go film. Uh, and that kind of started almost exactly like that. It was more so that I reached out and I just said, um, Hey man, I heard you on this podcast and it sounded like something that was really interesting. You just make your own knives and you did had this other job and you decided to quit your job and just be an entrepreneur and go ahead and, and do all your own stuff and everything, which is really cool. Um, so I want to come up and make a documentary about you. And, uh, he responded back and said, yes, for some reason that's better. Um, so I went ahead and did that. Um, and then I mean, the next time I had a, a flight out, I just made my return flight come back through Vancouver. And then I, uh, picked up a couple flights to go up to, uh, Quinnell in, uh, or no, actually Prince George, and then drove about an hour and a half up to his place. And after we got up there, I mean, it was, it was filming, but we didn't know that, uh, the steel was going to come in for his knives, for the kitchen knives, uh, because all the hunting knives and everything, he uses like older reclaimed steel and all for that. Uh, the kitchen knives though, the chef knife and all, um, he'll, he can make like the first half of it cause he has the steel there to, that's the new stainless steel to be able to, to do that with. Um, but what he doesn't have is the process to be able to go through and be able to heat treat those knives. And now 
I could probably find some way for him to let him be like, all right, let's break apart another knife that you have and then we'll go back from scratch. But he probably wouldn't have wanted to do that anyway. Um, so I kind of had to just go with him on that and kind of hope that, hey, we have some free time, so let's shoot this potential thing that could work out. And if it does, then great. And if not, then, then oh well. But on our second day, the steel showed up uh, in the mail that he had been waiting for for over a month. Um, so it just happened to be that day. And uh, I'm definitely glad we shot that footage. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had time um, to go through and finish making, shooting the rest of that knife if we had just gotten it in and then decided to roll with it. So um, definitely getting a lot of work done ahead of time for something that you don't even know if it's going to be able to happen was, was, a, big thing, was a big thing for us. Um, so we got that, that chef knife done, we recorded that, and then like I said in the last podcast too, like the big mistake that I think I made on this one was I just, I didn't interview enough. I interviewed one time at the end after I'd watched them go through the process and everything, and I always think that, you know, oh, I've figured out the interviewing process every single time, and I know that I haven't. Like This time I realized that, oh, if I have multiple days with people, um, I want to sit down and I want to do an interview, yes, but I want to do multiple interviews that are going to last like an hour or so. So I get to hear who that person is. So I did one interview with Mike that lasted about an hour and a half. Um, that was at the very end and you'd think by going through all that you have enough content and everything. And I did, but it could have been better. I could have been more, I could have been more specific, I could have been more focused, uh, but I didn't have that super strong vision, uh, which is where I lacked uh, quite a bit in this film, for sure, um, in the pre-production side. Uh, but also because, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot that goes into this, but um, I mean, I guess, I guess you can kind of go ahead and say like, you know, you can prepare for everything, but you won't ever be prepared for everything. I mean, you can try to be prepared for everything, but you, you never will because there'll always be something that can come out of left field. And I mean, and that's how it was. I mean, like when it's a single shooter shooting three documentaries in the span of three days, um, and even their, their short films, I mean, it's a lot to keep track of in your mind. So uh, the new thing I learned from this was interview more. You know, every day, end of the day, do a little interview. And then at the end, maybe do a big long one, or maybe make them all big long ones. It depends upon how tired your talent is too. That's a, man, that's something with like, if your talent is like, eh, I'm not interested in being on the camera, really, but they do something that's really cool, keep in mind that you might, you might not, <laughs> it might not benefit you to make a documentary about somebody who does something that's incredibly cool if you can't have them come across the camera as being the person that they are, uh, or find different ways to be able to make them come across um, in their best way, in the way that they do the best. Um, so this next uh, documentary I'm going to be doing after the Mike Jones series, um, I had that problem. So uh, this guy, Sean, super cool dude. I mean, and funny too, really funny guy. Uh, very open um, and uh, very blunt, which is like something I, I really like in somebody who's uh, a wildlife guy. Um, just checking that mic. My AC is uh, non-existent here, so. Um, so he 
you put a camera in front of them and then all of a sudden freezes up and everything. But if you can be in the car with them and just be rolling and have your camera kind of down here and just let it go and all, then you're probably gonna get something really, really good, which is kind of what happened. Um, so I got a lot of my footage, um, my interview footage with bad audio because I had to use a shotgun mic because you know, he's big dude and you know, micing him up and leaving that mic'd up while we're, you know, ripping on the snowmobiles up through, you know, northern British Columbia, it's there it's gonna fall off. You can't have a pack on like that when you're a cheap ass like me and you know, just hope for the best. Also I didn't have these this road lavalier system at the time. I just had my shotgun mic, but you know what, it worked. It it I made it work. So um so that's that. But um, <clears throat> it's always funny when you get new gear and then you look back at what you did before and then you think like, oh man, like why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? And then you realize it's like, oh yeah, it's because I didn't have that. And it's like, oh, that you get these tools and they open up. They can open up so, so much more for you. Uh, but then you can just start relying on them. But sometimes like, it's like, no, no, dude, you need this, <laughs> you need this tool. Um, it's like uh, having a woodmaker just be like, okay, here's a knife, and that's all you that's all you get. It's like, yeah, you can you can he can give you something with just a knife, but that doesn't mean that you're gonna be pulling something out of there that's incredible. Anyway, um, so I kind of told you about that process and all. The next video from the Mike Jones uh, side of everything and all, uh, that's gonna be the, what's called the bushfucker. All right, and that's a really fun one because it's this giant tool. It's it's about yeah, it's about like almost a little shorter than a baseball bat, I would say, about a yard. Um, and the cool thing about that is it's this weird cross between this axe and a scythe and uh, a machete, I guess you could say, uh, when you're getting through the forest, through the bush up there, as they would say, um, you end up just, you know, you, you have to go through this giant thicket. You have to get around to something. You have to chop something up on the ground or whatever, and this, this is a tool that can be used for that, and it's kind of perfect for that. Um, probably don't want to be cutting down trees and all with it, but anyway, it's a fun tool. It's a fun uh, blade, um, and he makes it out of these old saw blades too, like the old like, uh, like the uh, oh come on, dude, think of it, make your brain work. Um, the chainsaw blades, you know, so like. Um, you get that big metal piece in the center, that's what he's making this out of. And they're not tiny either, they're pretty big. Um, so that's gonna come out on Monday, I think it's the 21st or something, or I don't remember when it is, 27th, 27th, today's the 20th, oh, wow. Uh, so that'll be the 27th on Monday, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that one. They're, they're all different, they're all different tools, um, but I think that'll be the one that's the most evident that I didn't have those interviews um, down and pat locked. Um, and so I could have done more with that. Um, if you are going out to, or you want to shoot a documentary or something like that, um, the most important thing that you can have, in my opinion, is the interview. And that's the thing that's going to carry the story the entire way through. It can end up, in, in, a good interview can make up for bad footage. And in that, I mean that Let's say that you have this shot, this great shot um, that you really wanted to use, but then you fucked it up somehow. And 
there's no way that you can put that in there with it actually. Like maybe it's out of focus or something, you know. Um, maybe I'm out of focus right now, who knows. Maybe I am at 2.8 right now and I'm self-focusing from guesstimation and measure measurements. Um, anyway, so um, maybe you get this awesome shot, but you lost focus in it. If you have a good interview of somebody talking about that process of what they did, you can use that. I mean, you can actually have the video of them. You can, I mean, it's not the same. It's not what you want to have, but I mean, at least it's something. I mean, and you can lose a good amount of footage and still be able to rely on your interviews if your interviews are good. I mean, it might change your video from being something that you thought was like, oh, this is gonna be like a 12 minute video or something like that into like a four minute video, but it's something. You know, and at least you have that. And now for for paid client and stuff like that, well, you better find a way to get that shot going again and all. But if you're trying to make your own documentary, um, you have something. Um, so that's pretty much gonna be it for this. Um, I guess talking directly to camera is gonna take a little bit more getting used to and everything. Um, but um, I talked to a guy today and he had this idea, he said, you know what you should do is, um, I met these tattoo artists out in Hawaii, um, well they came to a tattoo convention, um, and uh, they did like traditional Hawaii tattoos, and I was like, oh that's, that's interesting, that's cool, and he's like, it would be killer if you did a documentary on them too, and I already did this documentary, this Hawaiian guy, uh, his name's Hawaka, uh, and uh, he's the last stone carver um, in the Hawaiian Islands, still doing it the way his ancestors were doing it. He had to search and search and search and he found one guy uh, who uh, would teach him how to do it. And so he taught him how to be able to uh, carve the stone and everything. And then after that, uh, he started getting really good with doing it after you know years and years of practice. Um, I ended up finding him when he's a little bit older and he's, uh, he's going through and He's, he's doing these big, incredible pieces and all, um, but he'd been burned by a lot of different people coming in to do films, um, and then like whether they would you know, trash his yard or they would you know, just be disrespectful and everything, bring in these massive lights and blast him in the face. With, and he's just, it's, you, be aware of your surroundings and be aware of who you're filming and all. It's not, it's not always the best thing to bring in a giant package if that means you're going to make your talent uncomfortable and your talent's not a professional actor then you got to go about a way to be able to make your talent comfortable because I mean just like a bad delivery from a professional actor in their lines can kill a scene uh, somebody who has never been on camera before them being really uncomfortable is also going to show through just as poorly. Uh, but you get somebody who's never been on camera before and you start filming them and they're comfortable and everything, you can pull something out of them that, you know, it gets to be seen with fresh eyes. It's like the first time that they get to be on film, they get to be, uh, they get to be recorded and they get to have their voice put out there and everything. Um, and I think that's kind of a special time. Um, so that would be my advice for doing interviews. Um, also, um, there's a couple different ideas that I have for 
next video projects. I'm getting a little ahead of myself because I'm only halfway done with editing uh, Sean Murray's trapping video, hunting video, that type of stuff. Um, and uh, it's actually the first time I've said that. Yeah, so uh, Sean Murray is a guy who lives in northern British Columbia, uh, big, beautiful cabin. Um, and uh, um, for me, it's like the middle of nowhere. But for him, he's like, oh, this is just, you know, this is almost city life and everything. It's like, this is, it's crazy. And it took me out on snowmobiles and we went up and we looked after some moose and stuff like that. And he wrote a couple wolf calls and everything. And, you know, it's like, it, it's a whole different world up there that, that I've kind of been oblivious to. And, uh. I mean, one thing that's pretty horrible right now is they got a whole bunch of wildfires going on up there. Again, they just can't seem to uh, get a year without them. But um, there are benefits that come in from those wildfires. But usually if they're spaced out a little bit more than they have been, it's uh, a little bit more of a graveyard right about now. Um, anyway, so Sean Murray is going to be my next uh, short documentary. I'm not sure on the length of time yet. I'm trying to piece this thing together and see what it's trying to tell me that it needs to be. It's a great thing about not working with uh, somebody who is a client of some sort who's saying, hey, we need it to be this long. Uh, we want to accomplish this, this, and this. Here's our artistic direction. Here's what we say that you need to do. There's none of that. You can do anything and everything however you want to do it. And that's, that's awesome. Um, so I get to decide or rather the film itself from what I captured gets to tell me how long does this thing need to be um, and where do we where do we cut into it and where where do we take this and where do we go with it um, one thing I guess I'm trying to bring across uh, because it's not a good idea to go in without any ideas of where you want to go with it it is a good idea to go in having a structure in your brain about you know reaching on the table like a jackass. It is a good idea to go in with a structure in your brain of saying, well, this is how, this is what I want to accomplish with this. But just be aware that that could entirely change. You know, like you, if you go in trying to tell the video, oh, you're going to be this thing. <laughs> For me, maybe it's a little woo woo, but I, sometimes I get to the video and I say like, you're going to be this. And then I get to shoot it and then I get back and then I start editing and the video is like, mm, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be this at all. And it changes. And if you don't allow it to change into what it could be, uh, then you're going to be trying to force it into something that it isn't. So I'm trying to, I'm in the process right now of still trying to figure out what it is. Um, and, and I thought, that I could say that I knew what it was going to be before I got up there, but that's something that this project is teaching me now, so. Oh, I don't have any idea what I'm going to do with this, uh, or how this is going to go. Um, and this is like the first sensitive subject video I've ever done. Like, everything else I've done has always been really safe. Like, you know, you do videos about, you know, musicians and, and artists and painters and uh, do videos about uh, installation artists, lots of artists and everything. No one's going to bat an eye. No one's going to say anything, anything about that. Obviously the Mike Jones series and everything. Um, 
race car drivers and, and stuff like that. And no one's gonna say anything about that, but now I went ahead and I decided to say, hey, I wanna make a video about this guy uh, who, the way he kinda spends his life and um, makes a portion, not a, not a lot, but a portion of his living is hunting and trapping. You know, he, he guides people um, in Northern BC and he's got a spot on uh, an area out there where he's allowed to go out and trap um, and for all different types of fur and everything. And I just, I heard that and I was like, that's interesting. I definitely want to check it out. I don't know if I think that that's a good thing or not. I don't know anything about it. And then I got into it and what I started hearing from them were things like, oh, well, you know, this is a renewable resource. I'm like, okay, that's great. This is a renewable resource. I mean, I'm all for bow hunting and everything and going out and getting my own meat and all, but at the same time, it's like trying to clothe people, you can do it without like harvesting other stuff. And it's like, yeah, but that other stuff is that you are using, that's plastic. And that, that doesn't fall apart. It won't break down and it's gonna be floating in the ocean now. Congratulations. And it's like, oh, well, shit. Okay, so what if we do have a renewable resource and we do use that? And so like there's, like it, it changed a lot of the stuff that, like I didn't even go in thinking, I'm thinking this way, um, but I, I just had a couple things in my mind that were sort of like, oh, this is how this is gonna be. And, and, and it wasn't. Um, and I've never met their kids, man. I've never met two more disciplined kids in my entire life. Um, they were out to school at like 6.30 and all, which isn't insane uh, for school now, but up at five to go ahead, make sure the outside uh, or the inside fire is stoked and the outside fire that, that heats the rest of the cabin and everything, because uh, they had two wood-burning stoves. Uh, that that's up and running and everything feed the chickens feed the ducks make for sure the horses are good and everything like that is like Man like what good attitudes these kids have too is is crazy um, Definitely different than um than I was when I was About that age um, Yeah, I was like I'll wake up barely in time for school get out the door and all that anyway um, so that's what's coming up. That's what's going on. Um, I can't think of too much else at the moment here. Um, I guess I could go over gear really quick. Um, all the gear that I used for uh, the Mike Jones Knife and Tool uh, videos was incredibly basic. It was the C100 that I'm shooting on right now. I have a early 1960s, possibly a late 1950s uh, a piece of glass. It's a 24 millimeter non-AIS lens. Uh, it's a 2.8 mil. That's what I'm shooting on right now as well. Uh, and I have a converter for that from Nikon to Canon. Um, I really like the way that that looks. Uh, not just like the little imperfections in the glass or anything like that, but I feel like this is a lens that gives you very good depth um, and it works very well uh, with the haze that's already naturally in it from the uh, impurities that are scattered all throughout the glass and everything uh, to be able to give you more of what I feel like is a flatter uh, type of look that you can mess around with and post anyway um, the next 
piece of gear was the 50 mil 1.4 non-AIS. That was another 1950s, 1960s lens. And those two lenses carried me through this entire thing. That was, that was all I used for, for lenses and I had just picked those up so I was really excited. Um, and you can get those on Cat Camera or Cat.com for KEH.com for, like, I think I got one of them for like, like uh, 240 bucks and then the other one I got for about like 116 on eBay. Um, and they're great lenses, I love them. Um, and uh, I guess the one area where I could have really thought it through a little bit more was if I would have made the splurge for an L-series lens, then I have the dual pixel autofocus on my camera, I could have used autofocus. That could have helped a lot. Um, but I feel like the look that I got out of this uh, was, was much better. Um, as far as stabilization goes, um, I had um, the DP slider, uh, which is about a three foot slider. Um, and it's bumpy and it's kind of nicked up a little bit and it's not in the best condition. So when you're sliding it, you're gonna have a little chichichin moving all around and everything. But that's okay, um, there's, there's been worse things. Um, and then the two stands that go on either side of it, because I didn't have like a tripod with a Hercules head on it or something like that, uh, broke. So um, I ended up using one of those stands to thread into my 5 eighths on the bottom of my C100 when I needed a tripod. Um, and granted, I couldn't tilt down or anything, so 98% of this film, these films, I would say, was shot handheld. Uh, so I had to practice a lot, all the time, with this to be able to make sure that, you know, I could navigate and I could move. And I've got some videos up on uh, filminguntilmorning.com that kind of teach how to do, uh, how to keep your camera to be a little bit steadier, just maintaining different points of contact. Basically, your elbows are just in at a V, sort of like this, and then you're going to grip the side handle and then a, oh, one hand on the bottom and then pinching the lens. Um, and then the shoulders, just squeeze them in a little bit more. And then as you do that, um, I also talk about like your head being, imagine you're standing in a room that's about like two inches shorter than your head. Um, as long as you do those things, uh, you can have some very stable footage. It's not the greatest in the world and it's not even 4K. I mean, it's a 1080p camera. It only shoots up to 30. I don't even have 60 on this thing, so there's no slow motion that I can do. I mean, which would have been, which would have been awesome, but I mean, at the same time, it's like, you know, you got like a $2,500 camera a couple years ago. What'd you expect? I mean, you got XLR inputs and you have the uh, internal ND. Um, I think the, uh, and that's pretty much it for my gear. I mean, I had a Rode shotgun NTG2. Um, I think that's about it. I recently upgraded and got a uh, Movi Mavic Air and a uh, um, uh, new carbon fiber Manfrotto uh, tripod, but um, the 504. But I mean, that's all. That's all brand new. All this stuff was shot handheld. Um, it's not impossible. You just need to know how to learn how to use the camera and how to cradle it, and make sure it's not bumping all around and it looks like shit. Um, I didn't even have a shoulder rig or anything like that. I mean, I was going naked right on the right on the body. Uh, but it had to be done, right? So I mean, that to me, it had to be done. Um, and other people will say that's silly, that's stupid. You know, you should have you should have waited, or you should have you know gotten a little bit of investment to be able to go up and and shoot this thing, or you should have 
uh, asked this guy to invest some of his money into you and everything so that you could, you know, I, I wanted to tell a story. Um, and uh, I didn't want to deal with all that bullshit. Um, because I feel like a lot of times when people say, oh, I want to tell a story, um, what you're saying is I want to work on set, I want to work in film, um, and I want to get paid for it. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I do exactly the same thing. And um, I want to work on set and I want to get paid for it. And I do work on set and I do get paid for it. Um, and decently, too. Not phenomenal, but decently. And because of that, I'm able to go out and do this stuff. But I don't try to get greedy with doing, you know, the passion projects and everything. And I also understand that other people don't want to come along with you most of the time on those. So I try to keep my favors that I ask of other people pretty low. Um, I understand I could have kickstarted this thing. I could have done something else. But you know what? It's done now. It's done. It's finished. It's completed. I'm just going to release part number three. And then, you know what? This guy's got some incredible videos. I've got more to update on my reel and everything. And I've been, I haven't updated my reel since 2013. It's 2018 right now. I haven't updated my reel yet. I've still picked up plenty of work from it and everything. Um, and so it's always kind of fallen to the back burner. Um, and I've done a lot of different shoots, but a lot of it has been for other people's features where I've been uh, a lot of the times the gaffer or grip or whatever. And I haven't been working on building up my own stuff. So this is me rebuilding up some of my own stuff. Um, and it's a benefit because, you know, I mean, nobody's walking away without, with nothing from this. Um, but it's really easy for people to go ahead and say, well, you know what, this is a business and this is what I do. I make films and I get paid. That's what I do. It's like, yeah, that's cool. But at the same time, I still want to make films. You know, I, I still want to, I still want to be able to tell a story. And if that means that I'm not going to be able to have somebody in front of me saying, oh, I'll pay you for this, then, then I guess I'm still going to have to tell the story. I think, that, I think that's how it's going to go. Um, I'd like to get to the point where I can start searching for uh, more videos, uh, more people to do this type of thing, and then have people vote for uh, where and who I should interview uh, through sort of like a Patreon type deal, because I'd love to just be doing stuff like this. Um, but uh, that's going to be a little, a little ways in the future. I still need, still need to get a few more videos done and all. So I'm going to hop on that. I'm going to keep editing the Sean Murray video. Um, I really hope you enjoyed the Chef Knife video that I put out today. Um, yeah, questions, comments, hit me up. Uh, just follow this page if, if you give a shit. If you don't, if this is just going to be something that's stuck in your feed, then don't. I'm still figuring this out myself, so... You can watch me struggle as I get to the point where I can actually figure out what the fuck I'm doing here. Because um, right now I'm still not quite sure. But I'm figuring it out. Thanks for watching, guys. See ya.